Warning, this podcast was going to contain profanity even before current events gave it so many good reasons to. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by BloomThat.com, LootCrate.com, and by Wall State Mexican Insurance Company. You're in tiny little good hands with Wall State. And now, Scathing Atheist. This is Natalie and Dan of the Science Enthusiast podcast. Despite what you may have heard, we don't really think there was much intelligence put into our design as humans. I mean, if we were intelligently designed, then why is it necessary to cut the end of baby's dicks off? And then proceed to have a rabbi perform oral sex on the child? I mean, what is this, a Catholic church or something? Which is why we assure you that we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey men. It's February 2nd. And Sally Yates is a motherfucking badass. And she, though. I'm no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from New York, New York, Secret Lair, Pennsylvania, this is the Skating Atheist. On this week's episode, we prove that those who don't learn from history are doomed to retweet it. Being a douchebag finally pays off for Texas Governor Greg Abbott. And we revisit the Book of Mormon long enough to determine that it really is that fucking crazy. But first, the diatribe. When I set out to write an essay about the problems with religion every week for 207 weeks in a row, I guess it was inevitable that from time to time I was going to find myself reiterating points, right? And sometimes it'll be because I wanted to add clarity or nuance. Sometimes I'll just come up with a new analogy that I really like. And sometimes it'll be because world affairs come along and shove the point back in my face with all the subtlety of Eli asking if his balls look normal. I mean, it's not like the people we're arguing against don't keep trotting out the same bullshit. And there are only so many novel ways of pointing out why they're wrong. So with that in mind, let's take another look at morality as it relates to the Bible. Now, by my count, the Bible talks about immigrants and refugees at least a couple dozen times, over a hundred if you want to interpret it liberally. You get references in the Pentateuch, the wisdom books, the historical books, the minor prophets, the major prophets, the gospels, and the epistles, and they present one of the most consistent and unambiguous moral threads of the entire fucking book. To a passage, every single one of them implores its reader to embrace the sojourner, the traveler, the immigrant in their land, right? They all basically read like Leviticus 19, 33, and 34. Quote, and if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, ye shall not vex them, but the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God, blah, blah, blah. That is from fucking Leviticus. Even a book full of child stoning and homophobia and disemboweled goats managed to get their morality right on that question. Now, when it comes to butt fucking, the Bible gives us six verses at most, and they range in prescriptions from murder on the spot to won't inherit the kingdom of God. Funny how the Bible is such a clear authority when it tells you to hate somebody you already hated, but not so much when it tells you to love them. Now, 
I will give some credit to a number of religious leaders who have pointed out the Bible's univocal message on immigration in the wake of Trump's draconian travel ban. I mean, you kind of expect like the Episcopalians and the Methodists to come out against this. And obviously all the Muslim groups are going to come down on the right side of it. And the Jews know where this kind of shit leads. But the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops called this move devastating. The Southern Baptist Convention sent a letter urging Trump to reconsider. Hell, even the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints referred reporters to an official statement they made decrying this concept as soon as Trump started bandying it around on the campaign trail. And when me, the Conference of Catholic Bishops, the Southern Baptist Convention, and the Mormons are all on the same side of a moral issue, gotta figure it's a pretty hard one to get wrong. Now, we're going to get into the travel ban a little bit more in the headlines, so I don't want to dig too deep into that right here, but I do want to offer very sincere kudos to the religious groups that have spoken up and used their platform for the powers of good on this one. I mean, obviously the assholes who make it onto our show regularly are praising schmuck all orange as the modern day Jesus, but by and large, the religious leadership across this country is coming out on the right side of this issue, and yet it doesn't seem to be making a lick of fucking difference among their flocks, does it? Because when you look at Trump's historically dismal approval ratings, the only place he's still got strong support is among the highly religious. I mean, sure, lack of education, lack of melanin, those things correlate pretty highly, too. But as much as the numbers show, the people on board with him are the same people that brought us gay-free bakeries, corporations with legally protected religions, and pre-urinal birth certificate checks. And Christianity has to own that shit. Of course, whatever, I'm in the extreme, so I say they have to own it from top to fucking bottom. I believe they're responsible for every bit of bigotry that dribbles out of their archaic rulebook and into the modern world. But even if you're inclined to be way more forgiving than me, they at least have to own the fact that Christianity was insufficient to sway those people morally. Right? It didn't matter how clear the fucking book was about it. They rejected the biblical morality when it didn't match up with their own prejudices. Religion helped them hate, but it couldn't swing the door the other way. They only used the Bible to justify the shit they already believed in, even when the book gave them an unmistakable moral dictum that finally lined up with humanitarianism, they had no trouble at all pushing it aside without the slightest pang of cognitive dissonance. Now, I've said it before and loudly, but once more, I'm with a different analogy. Religion is to morality as auto-tuning is to vocal talent. The former subverts the latter under the guise of augmenting it. It creates the illusion that it's there when it clearly isn't. And even at its best, it's an inferior and unsatisfying counterfeit. And despite colossal evidence to the contrary, religious apologists trot this bullshit out first when they're trying to justify their interference with reality-based reality. The one tenuous benefit they still cling to is an illusion and not even a convincing one at that. It's the linking fucking rings. Where do atheists get their morals? From the same fucking place as everybody else, you condescending asshole. Only we don't have an antiquated book trying to carve out exceptions. We got our morals from the same innate empathy that dogs and monkeys and squirrels seem to understand without any deities getting nailed to any fucking crosses. And yet somehow for centuries, these saboteurs of natural empathy still manage to claim some kind of moral superiority. The guys who continue to harbor the child rapists are making moral proclamations that the international press is still dutifully quoting. The underlying idea that religion is positively linked to morality is so baked into our culture, so baked into our language, that it's hard to avoid. And yet when you take a look at the world objectively, it is far more often aligned against morality than with it. And not to get too Bible quotey on everybody here, but I just want to remind any Christians bearing their way through this diatribe that I'm playing by their fucking rules here. All right, I mean, it's not like Mr. The Savior was silent on this topic. Matthew 7.20, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. 
Joining me for headlines tonight are descendants of immigrants, Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to wake the fuck up or what? There's no place like homophobia. There's no place like homophobia. <laughs> Seriously, stop making me defend Muslim countries. I don't like right. it. I don't yes. feel comfortable. So, yeah. All right. Well, obviously, we're doing all we can to bottle up our rage long enough for this intro, but we're pros. So before we uncork the anger, we're going to take a quick break to tell you all about our first sponsor this week, bloomthat.com. Hey, guys, you know, Valentine's Day is right around the corner, right? Yep. Yeah. Eli's first one as a married man. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to tell you guys about our new sponsor this week, Bloom That, so that we don't, you know, get a repeat of what happened last year. What do you mean, repeat of what happened? Well, like, Heath, remember how you bought flowers from that cut rate online mega florist? Yeah, they, they were the cheapest. And and Eli, remember how you forgot until the last minute and bought a mysterious plant from a blind man in a Chinatown basement? To be fair, any time I fed it would have been after midnight. I no, you're right. You're right. And, and, and Heath, you remember how your flowers were weeks old? Most of them didn't bloom or died within a day? No. Dude, you ordered roses and they sent you carnations. They were red, though. And, and Eli, you remember how your flower turned against you and started demanding human sacrifice? I feel like demanding is harsh, suggesting. And, and, and Heath, you remember how your flowers ended up with a bunch of hidden fees that made them way more expensive than you expected? Uh, I do remember that. And Eli, you remember how expensive that out-of-court settlement was for the unlicensed use of Suddenly Seymour? I, I still say they wouldn't have minded if Heath had come to rehearsal once in a while. Well... This year, you guys can save all that hassle with Bloom That. Ordering takes two minutes from start to finish, and you'll get gorgeous, artisan-styled, handcrafted bouquets and an elegant burlap wrap. Don't settle for weak-old red roses and baby's breaths or carnivorous demon plants when you can get the kind of beautifully designed arrangement she would buy herself. Uh, why do you sound like a commercial? But is it a great value? Now, you're both doing it well What's bloom that happening? is always a great value eli but on top of that they've got an amazing exclusive offer for our listeners you can get a gorgeous bouquet bursting with valentine's colors plus a premium designer vase that would cost most people 15 bucks plus a handmade caramel treat normally ten dollars but free for our listeners wow that's a huge savings about $25, and it's the best deal they're offering, but you can only get that if you go to our page, bloomthat.com slash atheist. That's B-L-O-O-M-T-H-A-T dot com slash atheist. You'll automatically get the free premium designer vase and the caramel treat and find the perfect handcrafted designer flower cut when you order. And I get my money back if the flowers ask me to kill on their behalf. There's nothing about that in the copy, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that they would do that for you. So don't wait. This amazing offer won't last and is only available to our listeners if you go to bloomthat.com slash atheist. Okay, well, that's important. We should find out. And now back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, from the originalist gangsta file, Donald Trump has been narrowing down his list of potential Supreme Court nominees, and he finally told everyone his pick this week with a big reveal show live on primetime TV and Facebook. In the end, the choice came down to either Neil Gorsuch, Thomas Hardiman, or LeBron James in the Miami Heat. <laughs> and as you've all probably heard by now, he went with Neil Gorsuch. Which is racist, by the way. And I guess this gives us, what, the Taylor Hicks of the Supreme Court? Ladies and gentlemen, soul parole. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the rose presentation ceremony was very tasty. <laughs> Nonetheless, 
All right. So a quick note before we get into the details of our nominee. Uh, This whole process is complete bullshit. Yep. Senate Republicans very literally stole this nomination by refusing to vote on confirming Merrick Garland for 293 days, more than doubling the record for that. And really multiplying it by infinity because he never got. Yeah. And counting. Right. Yeah. Jesus. Um, Instead, the GOP decided that the will of the people apparently only counts for about three quarters of a presidential term. Mm -hmm. And after that. Apparently, it still doesn't count because the will of the people was Hillary Clinton by about three million votes. Uh, well, but I I thought most of those were illegal dead immigrants, though. The, the, that three million still counts. Yeah. A guy on Twitter who thinks Israel hacked the election said so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who are you going to believe? Good sources. OK, so here's a quick summary of Neil Gorsuch. I'll start with his general philosophy. He's an originalist and a textualist. Mm-hmm. And those are. Basically, just fancy words that let you avoid saying, I like the rules exactly like they were at the beginning when women and black people weren't people yet. Yeah. Well, well, look, in every other discipline, we call this archaic thinking. But in constitutional law, it's called originalism. The the, the, the Skyping with vacuum tubes of jurisprudence. <laughs> hey, at least we know Clarence Thomas will be on board with his right to call him boy the way Scalia used to. <laughs> That's fine. I think that's totally great, actually. I really like that. You have to kind of guess what his voice would sound like. So, yeah. Got a no, Gorsuch going already. Get excited, everybody. All right. So, uh, in terms of a uh, few major issues, Gorsuch is in favor of the Hobby Lobby decision. Hold on. Go fuck yourself. He's staunchly anti-euthanasia, and it's safe to assume he's also pro-life. Oh, and he's pro-death penalty, yeah, obviously. You want to be consistent. <laughs> and worst of all, he's fucking 49 years old. Right, yeah. And he looks goddamn beautiful. <laughs> want to climb on his back while he does one-arm push-ups. <laughs> so if he gets fucking confirmed, we're stuck with this perfect chiseled asshole face for like 50 years. Fuck. On the plus side, he was a clerk for Kennedy, so maybe some of that uh, cowardice until it's time to fight Batman villain levels of evil rubbed off on him. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> And in and, and first, they came for the Muslims, but we'd already heard that poem news tonight. American airports made shitty even for American airports a thing this week after our petulant prepubescent POTUS enacted the closest thing to a Muslim ban that his lawyers could come up with. With his eighth wildly controversial executive order in as many days, President Pussy Grabber suspended admission for all refugees from the Syrian crisis for 120 days while even more onerous and overbearing vetting procedures could be implemented and barred entry from seven Muslim-majority nations with no Trump business interests in them. Both the intent of the order and its crayon-scrawled levels of vetting through related agencies led to an inhumane clusterfuck for tens of thousands of people already approved to relocate to the U.S., some of whom, by the way, were in the fucking air on the way when this happened and and let's be clear what this means this means people who were legally allowed to come here as in already went through the vetting were held for hours often in handcuffs and without food including but not limited to refugees escaping war-torn countries returning students doctors and let's forget army translators the people who prevent us from dying And, and i mean all that stuff is fantastic if you're making porn, but <laughs> otherwise it feels unethical. And honestly, that statement applies to almost everything. Lots of things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> almost everything Trump does anyway. <laughs> uh, of course, many human rights organizations have been quick to dub this a Muslim ban, which is admittedly inaccurate. But uh, 
like despicable racist anti-American religious test for immigration takes too long to say and doesn't acronym well. So I forgive him for that. Of course, Trump spokespeople are furious over the use of that term, despite the fact that it was articulated as such on his campaign's website, which was still up at the time of this writing. And also, by the way, the fact that he reportedly called Rudy Giuliani and asked how to ban the Muslims legally. And and if you'd need the intent straight from the horse's ass, in an interview with Christian Broadcasting Network the day after this order was signed, Trump also clearly stated his intent to make exceptions for refugees with the correct God. When asked if he would prioritize Christian refugees, he responded with an emphatic yes, accused the Obama administration of showing preferential immigration access to Muslims, and then tacked on some of his patented up goer five blubbery. That's a, uh, that's actually what he calls his tiny little right hand. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, he said of ISIS quote, they were chopping off the heads of everybody, but more so to Christians. And I thought it was, ve- no, look, and I thought it was very, very unfair. End quote. It was unfair. President of the United States. At least chop off heads equally. These people, they don't (laughs) chop heads equally, and we're going to start chopping off heads equally. (laughs) (laughs) Then Steve Bannon's like, you should really chop off some Jewish and Muslim heads to make it even further. (laughs) That's why I hired you, Steve. You're a numbers guy. Go go tell the National Security Council they're defied. And like, just you do it from now on. (laughs) Who needs a general? Also, for your asshole uncle who can't be bothered to Google, no, this is nothing like what Obama did in 2011, which was limited to one country, didn't include people who were already approved, was in response to a specific threat, and didn't have built-in plans to accept people who were Jesus-y enough. But go ahead, Uncle Steve. Keep getting your information from Breitbart means. That's working out awesome. This country's awesome. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, and you can tell how different it is by the reaction, right? The totality of this move led to widespread condemnation from humanitarian groups around the world who were already exhausted over the last thing they were condemning this asshole about. It also led to more or less immediate protests at airports across the country, specifically aimed at reports of the detention of refugees currently in the system, but not technically in the U.S. just yet. The ACLU also sprung into action in one stays on Trump's order from four different district courts, all the ones they filed from, forbidding the deportation of people who are in transit when the order went into effect. And, and, and while that's a long way from overturning this draconian bigotry, it's an important reminder to Trump that there are still rules... Of course, at the time of this writing, it's unclear whether those rules are being complied with <laughs> or still exist. And the only silver lining of that is a potentially quicker impeachment. But we'll we'll have to refer to you to news sources that don't record a couple of days in advance for more on that. <laughs> and look, like everyone else on this podcast and most of the people listening to it, I'm going to find out the legal stuff about this from opening arguments. But in the shithole that made up the stories, the protests and the movement of the ACLU do matter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I am by no means saying that, like, this war is won or we need to stop fighting. But if you were looking for a glimmer of hope in this shitstorm of the week, Google some pictures of the lines of pro bono lawyers sitting on the floor of JFK ready to help refugees or think about how fucking hard it was for Sally Yates to lose her job rather than join the goddamn new Nazi party. Yeah, the one thing I'm looking forward to, though, you know they're eventually going to detain, like, Muslim version of Noah, and he's going to turn into the Hulk or Jean Grey or whatever, and shit's going to get crazy. It wasn't that bad. You asked the lady if you could spit in her mouth. Asked. I asked. And I respected her decision. And, and by the way, it's probably worth noting, too, the sheer breadth of the international denunciation of this bullshit, too, right? Like, uh, Angela Merkel apparently called Trump the next day to explain to him how the Geneva Convention works, for and he example. He was like, no thanks, don't need any chocolate. <laughs> 
Also, you got Toblerone. As already mentioned, the acting attorney general refused to defend the order and got shit canned over it. More than 100 employees of the State Department signed on to a memo asserting that this act is a humanitarian disaster that actually makes U.S. citizens less safe. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau offered to take in any and all refugees. Our shit stain of a country turns away. A petition in the U.K. to uninvite Trump from a scheduled state visit went from 372 signatures to over 1.3 million over the weekend. Iran's foreign ministry rightly dubbed the order as insulting and a gift to the extremists. British Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson called the ban divisive and wrong. France's foreign minister said discrimination is not the answer. Majority shareholder in the Republican Party, Charles Koch, likened the ban to something Adolf Hitler would have done. And Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull said it's, uh, it's um, I don't I don't get the question. Which is, <laughs> you guys are mad. You seem mad. Gibbity, gibbity. <laughs> <laughs> and in totally unrelated news tonight, in a story that has absolutely nothing to do with the religious test for entry created by the country next door or the prime minister's human and empathetic reaction to it, Canada decided to cheat off America's test this week with their very own mass shooting. And like most mass shootings, they even got some crazy white people to do it. Yep, yep, yep. Now, you got to be careful, though. Kellyanne Conway hears that press release tomorrow. Eli Bosnick praises Trump for effective efforts to increase exports. <laughs> she actually can't open her mouth without bugs flying out anymore. <laughs> In her defense, though, she does keep that crypt pretty safe. Hey, that is no way to speak about her vagina. Oh, <laughs> what, what, it's not safe? It's safe. So you're going to get you dust gonna... in your dick. Cold transition right back into that tragedy now, Eli. Straight straight back to the death toll from the shooting. You were saying something about horrible mass shooting that left a nation in shock and mourning? And go. Yes, indeed. Sunday night, one gunman, now in police custody, opened fire in a mosque in the city of Quebec, killing six people and wounding eight others. And we can't stress enough that this violence will not and cannot stop until Canadian politicians start having honest conversations about the danger posed by white people. Right? Right. Let's face it. We already know who's doing all the raping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Drake. Exactly. <laughs> and the mass shootings are white people, too. We're yeah. a big problem. <laughs> we are. We got to stop letting Heath start fights with Drake on our show. <laughs> the shooter reportedly expressed far right views online against feminism and in support of Trump, causing edgelords all over the Internet to twiddle their thumbs and look all around the room in different directions. It's it's almost like hearing and expressing poisonous ideas that are constantly on an unrestricted platform when the community that's supposed to challenge those ideas is obsessed with protecting and profiting off them. He's worse than being banned from Twitter. No. What do I know? What do I know? I'm not on the same side as the Nazis, so it's hard. <laughs> you should tweet at me. You're not the bad guy. You're great. Okay, but in fairness... Canadian Nazis are super polite. Super. I'm guessing was like, hey, sorry, sorry, but I've got to murder like six of oh, you. God. I got Tim Hortons for everyone else. Really, <laughs> really sorry about this. Just line up. Be nice. Sorry. Get the moose out of the way. <laughs> and look, here's what's funny about this shit. There's something funny this about a, this shit? Oh, there's plenty funny about this shit. If Apparently. this were a Muslim kid who'd been watching radicalizing YouTube videos and then attacked everyone with a pressure cooker, everyone would have absolutely no problem understanding the relationship. But since right. this was a white guy and he was listening to their favorite flavor of racism and misogyny, all of a sudden everyone wants a double-blind study with two white Canadians and equally feminist and anti-feminist tweets before they want to say something. If the mass shooter followed you on Twitter, it should give you fucking pause, you smug villains of history. How do they not know they're the bad guy? Are you, I just don't... You're you going to be okay? You no, right? Never going to be okay. Luckily, this cloud has a silver, 
Luckily, this cloud has a silver lining. And unlike if this had happened here, and we'd have to listen to Sean Spicer explain how luckily that group of Muslims got caught stealing bullets out of that guy's gun, the (laughs) condemnation from both sides of the aisle in Canada has been universal and serves as a stark reminder that sanity, empathy, and humanity lies just on the other side of Buffalo. Really close drive from here. Healthcare. Legal weed. We're thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great time to invade. Never been a better time to invade. (laughs) And in American history F news tonight, Glenn Beck and David Barton are planning to start their own history museum together. Wow. (laughs) And aside from the obvious religious propaganda angle, the reasoning is fantastic. Apparently, they both really want to teach some history classes, but absolutely nobody at a credible school is going to hire them to do that. So now they're raising money for their own place. Uh-huh. It's like two chefs who only make shit sandwiches got frustrated with job interviews, decided to open a restaurant themselves like, like that, but way more dangerous, actually. Right. So so it'd be like if the guys who open Subway we're way more dangerous. Got it. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> this is how we end up with Chicago style pizza people. <laughs> Nip uh, it in the bud. Never forget. So um, these guys announced their project on a recent episode of Beck's TV show. And the entire segment is insane. First of all, the set looks like somebody made a man cave inside Brie Larson's room. It's really <laughs> I mean, weird. That room did have everything you need to kick back and relax. <laughs> Wait, room or this doesn't matter. And <laughs> anyway, we get Glenn Beck and David Barton sitting on a leather couch in what's very clearly a sex dungeon. Yes. Moments after one of them got blown by the other, also very <laughs> clearly, which is great for one of them. But, you know, just be gay if you're gay together. It's fine. That T-shirt did not sell well at the live show. <laughs> that was a bad investment. I feel like the image was the problem, not the words. They the were word, also Good sticky. message. Anyway. Glenn Beck starts describing their plan for a history museum. And not only is he wearing a super rapey Cosby sweater. Uh, and yes, those are rapey now. Oh, yeah. He also has a Chicago Blackhawks hat with <laughs> the minstrel show version of a Native American on it. Not the greatest choice when you're, you're talking about starting up a Christian centric <laughs> American history museum. You're right. But I mean, all the choices were so fucking weird. Like the camera's suddenly behind him. Now it's handheld diagonal pan. Barton's looking around the whole time like he's going to have to carve a key out of somebody before the hand grenade in his ass goes off. Beck's <laughs> dressed like a fucking fighter pilot delivering a ransom demand. It is impossible to overstate how creepy and sex dungeony the entire thing was. And look. I've sat around a room that shouldn't have leather couches once all the coke was gone, talking about how I was going to build a boat. But I had the decency not to film it. Right? That's all we ask. I did. The worst part is definitely the actual words that came out of their fucking faces. First, Glenn Beck starts talking about all the stuff they need, and he says, "Uh, we're trying to buy the good and the bad so we have it all. And Barton clarifies, the good history and the bad history. What? So they're going to take the good and take the bad. And there you have alternative facts of life. <laughs> Fantastic. Hopefully their museum name and theme song also. But what the hell does that even mean? The bad history. Like the scratched and dented fossils? We're going to have the Roman artifacts and the Lemurian ones. Mm, most people don't know there was a whole civilization based on those monkeys. Fun fact. <laughs> it, it All is about monkeys. Based on those little primates. Well done. <laughs> We're picturing very different things. 
not all that. Two different. out of three of us. <laughs> and uh, speaking of alternative facts, they closed out their announcement with the following quote from motherfucking 1984. He who controls the past controls the future. He who controls the present controls the past. And they did it in tandem like a new couple sharing their first answering machine. It was really creepy. <laughs> Look, we didn't have to do the answering machine. You wanted to use a racial slur, Eli. Uh, multiple racial Multiple. <clears throat> How will people know who's allowed to leave a message? <laughs> <laughs> and Ian, don't pill your baby news tonight. Among the various insane reactions to the Women's March last week was the so-called March for Life. This march, which brought literally dozens of concerned people who think <laughs> come as a baby to the streets, received praise from both the president and vice president this week. That... Or they scheduled their tweets a week late. It happens. Well, you know, and by the way, the, the proximity of the women's march is a bit of a coincidence. Uh, you know, of course, like sitting vice presidents don't usually show up to these things. But this actually is an annual thing that they do on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. That's uh, 410 U.S. 113, 1973, by the way. And I only bring that up because I, I, I wanted a chance to use the citation and sound Andrew smart. Oh, I always thought he just made up words. You seem oddly <laughs> confident that's not what I just did. Mm, fair. And while the thought of Thousands of people taking to the street because they failed thinking on easy mode is depressing as fuck. It's not all darkness because out of it, like a fiery phoenix, rose what may be the most stupid interview of 2017 <laughs> so far with none other than president of Students for Life and Monica Lewinsky having an allergic reaction to peanuts, <laughs> Kristen Hawkins. She looks like her cats think she's really funny. <laughs> yeah, but they don't want to ruin their friendship with her. Right. <laughs> Kristen, who appeared on MSNBC, made it through the entire interview without eating, and she should be proud of that. But at the very end, stuffed her foot firmly in her mouth when she admitted that in addition to abortion, she'd like to see birth control like the pill and IUDs banned as well. But also gym socks <laughs> yeah. uh, coffee filters shot glasses duct tape duct tape pictures of Kristen Hawkins lots of things <laughs> to get much to host Joy Reed's confusion in what was an attempted moment of commonality to the panel Reed tried to get Hawkins to agree that they all thought birth control was a good idea to which Hawkins replied quote I don't believe abortion causing contraception should be legal end quote a and she didn't mean abortion or she didn't mean causing yeah <laughs> so what do you think she's picturing just like every time comes about to land outside of a fertile fallopian tube like a a stork flies past and just catches the cum in its mouth and flies it to a uterus and spits it inside what what's i know i'd watch that porn I two girls one know. stork i have yeah exactly <laughs> And since we're clearly all warmed up from misogynistic stupidity, I guess there's no better time to take a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate rape. It makes you a slut, right? It, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in misogyny. Well, I'm sorry to say it, but it looks like this week I'm going to have to do a bit of a correction. We strive for accuracy here on Scathing Atheist, but with our production schedule, I guess we're bound to get some shit wrong now and again. And when we do, we pride ourselves on making sure we clear up any confusion we might have caused. If you'll recall, I spent this segment last week talking about the Women's March on Washington and its scores of sister marches across the globe. And at the time, I characterized it as an inspiring, historic reminder of the power of protest 
and the difference we can all make in a free democracy. But in my defense, I said all of this before I had a man there to explain what was really going on. And it turns out that it was really a bunch of satanic, grumpy sluts inspired by ISIS. So let's start with the satanic bit, shall we? That comes to us from our old friend E.W. Jackson, who started off by pointing out that the Women's March didn't represent all women, which didn't occur to me, apparently. And as not in need of evidence as that claim is, he still managed to fuck up justifying it when he explained that most women stayed home to watch Donald Trump's inauguration on the previous day. I guess we took a good 24 hours to figure out the remote control and all those scary buttons. Now, as to the grumpy part, well, we learned that from Missouri State Senator Chris McDaniel, who took to the Facebooks to explain the anguished despondency that really motivated all those marching women. Because you know how depression makes you get up and be active and stuff? It's like that. According to McDaniels, quote, So a group of unhappy liberal women marched in Washington, D.C. We shouldn't be surprised. Almost all liberal women are unhappy. Perhaps there's a correlation. End quote. He went on to belittle the women of the march by asking why he should have to pay for the birth control if they could afford all those piercings and tattoos. So in his defense... I bet he's never met a woman of any political persuasion that stayed happy for long. But to be honest, the fact that we were actually satanic, tattooed, grumpy sluts wasn't that surprising to me. It's kind of what you expect from us liberals. The real shocker was that we were marching for women's right on behalf of ISIS. And I probably never would have guessed that if I hadn't been clued in by our old buddy Glenn Beck. But luckily for me, he got on the radio Monday after the march and explained that the whole thing was orchestrated by George Soros and radical Islamic groups. And I'd love to explain to you how he got there, but I can't reenact his explanation without a chalkboard to smear feces onto. So you'll have to trust me on this. And with that correction out of the way, I'll hand things back over to the menfolk and go make a fucking sandwich. Thank you, Lucinda. And in appealing to the Volume Times Densities news tonight, the merging of the Venn diagram circles representing people who are organizing against the Trump administration and people who know things neared completion this week with the announcement of a pending scientist march on Washington. Yup, love this. Get ready, you ignorant, science-denying fucks. It's revenge of the nerds time. <laughs> Fantastic. Melania will be getting fucked by a scientist in a bouncy castle spaceship. That is happening. <laughs> Interesting side note. One of the few examples of revenge rape happy endings in American cinema. Strong disagree. In, in mainstream American cinema. Objection stands. <laughs> anyway. I meant bonk, bonk. This comes in Just the wake of a number of distressingly anti-science moves from the Trump's fledgling Russian pro-consulate, including, but not limited to, appointing a climate change denialist to head the EPA, muzzling federally funded science communication, and hitting around about a federal anti-vax commission. Yeah, so far his presidential plan seems to be the first 200 pages of the stand. <laughs> <laughs> well, M-O-O-N does spell... Climate change hoax, apparently, yeah. So these moves have led to condemnation from the global scientific community, as well as some pretty awesome rogue Twitter accounts. But since the president has shown himself to be unfazed by global condemnation and obsessed with crowd size, feel like a mass demonstration is certainly in order. They should spend the entire march explaining exactly how we know only four people came to the inauguration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, teaching the president of the United States about counting would be a great first step. <laughs> Maybe go on Sesame Street first just to get ready. Warm up. Big bird who I have no respect for. Total loser. Too big a bird. Apologize. <laughs> 
So organizers released a statement on the march, which reads in part, quote, politicians who devalue expertise risk making decisions that do not reflect reality and must be held accountable. An American government that ignores science to pursue ideological agendas endangers the world, end quote. And to be fair, science is only one of the many things that the Donald Trump administration is imperiling the world by ignoring, but it might be the deadliest. Mm, only because he hasn't tweeted about hippos yet. He will start a war with hippos <laughs> if you give him half a fucking chance, hippos, is what Eli's saying. Very disappointing. Fat, gross, gross hippos. <laughs> <laughs> Safe to now, get in the cage with them. Of course, the scientists were quick to remind the populace that this isn't a partisan issue, Inhofe's snowball notwithstanding. And the sad truth is they're absolutely right. Shitting on science is one of the few things both sides of the aisle can apparently get behind. And, and here's hoping that pissing on Donald Trump is another. Yeah, but then you get the Russians involved. Oh, you're speaking metaphorically. <laughs> what Was he? I don't think he was. <laughs> well, it, it's definitely legal if I leave it open to interpretation, I think. so. Is it? Okay. Guess what I want to happen to Mike Pence. <laughs> no. No, I refuse. And in stop reporting the news tonight, former state rep and first draft of a Portlandia sketch, Molly White is back in the news this week after calling a reporter a son of a bitch for asking a question. What? Uh, for those who might not remember, White is known for saying on her Facebook that, quote, Muslims cannot be trusted no matter how peaceful they appear, end quote, and instituting a rule that visitors to her office had to sign an allegiance to America. And now she's known for being so unable to handle a basic question about her own hypocrisy that she turns into the old lady from The Wedding Singer. <laughs> Hip hop. Also, <laughs> if you listen to her greatest hits album as often as I do, you might also remember her as the person who called family planning and safe sex, quote, the greatest hoax ever devised against women, end yeah. quote. And we all know it's actually the clitoris. Skeptic. <laughs> After a forum on countering radical Islamic terrorism, sponsored by current state rep and patron saint of liver spots, Kyle Biederman, a reporter asked what are legislators going to do to combat religious extremists of other faiths? Were they going to hold forums about radical Christianity or Judaism? Which is a pretty good question. What with the herpetic baby penises and the Dylan Roofs and the whatnot? And the Canadian white people, yeah. Uh, what up, Drake? Dance back, motherfucker. <laughs> Revenge rap, let's hear it. <laughs> What you got? You've got to let this go. He just didn't see you. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> However, I believe White must have misheard him and thought he said, hey, Molly White, maybe the yeast infection would go away if you stopped shoving the rolls from Lobster Pot up there and replied, <laughs> how dare you say that? How dare you, you son of a bitch? That's a quote. <laughs> yeah. Even though the question wasn't directed to her. I guess the point is Sean Spicer's only about a week away from stealing that answer from her. So Molly, get in touch with Andrew as soon as you can so you can sue him for stealing your act. <laughs> <laughs> and finally tonight, in Six Fetus Under News, we have a follow-up on a recent story about the proposed law in Texas that would require the remains of all abortions and miscarriages to be buried or cremated. Thanks to Governor Greg Abbott, the Catholic lunatic who introduced the idea, that's a real thing. And you said my tiny crematorium business was a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> we did a sponsor about it. Anyway, th the proposed rule is being challenged by a lawsuit, so it's not official yet. Damn. <laughs> but it's certainly still a possibility. This story is a roller coaster for me. <laughs> 
Yeah, so that's why Mr. Abbott has been getting far more than the usual amount of bloody feminine hygiene products sent to his office. Well, as a protest. E- either that or he's way better at coming up with plausible excuses for that kind of stuff than Eli is. I found a genie, okay? I, I, wanna... I am still not buying it. <laughs> so, P.O. Box. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, mandating fetus funerals is stupid and horrible. But it has led to this extremely entertaining, albeit pretty sure illegal, protest, which we don't endorse at all. No. Uh-uh. So that's why we're going on record right here, right now. You should not send bloody menstrual pads and tampons to Greg Abbott's <laughs> office located at P.O. Box 12428, <laughs> Austin, Texas, 78711. Even if you're worried they might contain human lives, you should not do that. Seriously. Do not send your used pads and tampons to P.O. Box. One two four two eight Austin Texas seven eight seven one one. It's illegal. We made that very clear. What we're saying is you should punch him instead. I know. No, no, <laughs> not, not that either. However, pretty sure dipping them in red paint and sending along with a strongly worded letter that is not illegal. And and by the way, if your Patreon dollars never accomplish anything else, you will always know that they paid for a Harvard educated lawyer to parse the precise postal regulations with regards to use tampon mailing. <laughs> I feel good about that. You should feel good about that. Andrew has an interesting job. All right. So (laughs) regardless of what happens with the law in Texas, it's safe to assume that lots of good Christian people want a tasteful way of honoring the remains of uterine linings that were (laughs) tragically shed before being born. (laughs) And even though we might not agree with that, we're not going to protest their tiny little funerals like the WBC. We're not assholes. assholes. (laughs) In fact, we're here to help because we're classy like that. So let's go ahead and put 30 seconds on the clock again, because we're classy. Ideas for the (laughs) menstrual blood epitaph. Go. (laughs) Hard to get more classy than that. What do you want on your womb stone? Got it. Okay. How about here lies uterine chunks. You people are insane. Is that too literal? (laughs) Uh, He's a Catholic. So how about the uh, Tampax Romana? (laughs) Um, What about here lies Patty? Game over. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe a musical one. Tamp on, tamp down. They tampered. Ooh, uh, they come and zygote. <laughs> How about uh, OB died way too young. Carpe diem. Men seize the day. <laughs> Here lies flow. Born in a, died in a. Gashes to splashes and gush to flushed. Mm. Okay, a little classical literature for you. So we beat off zygotes against the current. Not born should have tried the ass. <laughs> I told you we were classy. I told you we were classy. into the menstrual blood epitaph segment. Well done, sir. All right. I got one more. How about uh, here lies Jade. Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't get how anything works. <laughs> and with Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina once more acting as the singing fat lady of our headline segment, we'll draw this one to a close. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Nope. Nope. And when we come back, <laughs> we'll still be trying to get our heads around how wacky the goddamn Book of Mormon is. Hey guys, I had a great idea for this week's Loot Crate ad. And that makes me afraid. So, you know how you can be the envy of all your friends, get 100% exclusive crates at lootcrate.com slash atheist and enter our code atheist to save $3 off any new subscription? Uh, I do know that. 
And you know how every month they put together like a new crate of epic gear, housewares, and collectibles? It's the best surprise you know is coming, of course. Okay, well, this month's pop culture theme is build. And Loot Crate has awesome and exclusive items from the most put-together franchises. <laughs> put-together, I see what you did there. Yeah, I didn't do it. It was in the copy. Anyway, you can experience iconic items from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Batman, that one doesn't fit, Lego Dimensions, and Tetris, including, as always, their monthly t-shirt and pin. Yeah, I know. I get it. Batman builds a lot of cool toys and stuff for us, you know, for use in his crime fighting. So, so what's your idea? Okay. Two words. Human Tetris. No. 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 Wait, 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 wait. I rented a crane and we get volunteers to get hoisted up and pose like different Tetris pieces. No, you you no. rented a crane as in past tense? Mm -hmm. And then we drop them against a giant wall and they spin around and try to drop in with the other people to fill up the lines. You <sighs> put if, it on YouTube. Eli, if there wasn't a law against that, I'd be really concerned. Keith could be a T. I could um, be a square. Now, well, it, if anything, I feel like I should be an S, but I, I think dude, we're getting dude, off track. Seriously, well, you? I I could be an S. I couldn't be an S. Ooh, and Noah could be that line that never shows up when you want it to. So you just like end up waiting forever. Like you just texted Heath. Okay, well, you shouldn't have made me a T. Can't we just talk about the epic range of pop culture items for less than $20 a month? Yeah, or how they can upgrade to Loot Crate DX for even bigger loot. Yeah, but human Tetris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. I, I feel like the deal is so good, though, and the theme is so cool that all we're going to have to do is mention that the offer expires on February 19th at 9 p.m. specific, and everybody's just naturally going to go to lootcrate.com slash atheist and enter our code atheist to save $3 off their new subscription. I already rented the crane. That's lootcrate.com slash atheist. Fine. You guys want to hoist heavy stuff way up in the air and drop it? Already doing yeah, it. Yeah, of course. I want to use a car. After a year spent reading the storyless, characterless, plotless, rambling bullshit of the Quran, I have to admit that we've fallen a little out of practice in presenting the storyline of a holy book, and despite our efforts last week, we fear we may have failed to capture all the twists, turns, and absurdities of the Book of Mormon. So, with the hopes of rectifying that shortcoming, we'd like to present a new segment called... Mormon Peace Theater. This week, First Nephi, chapters 1 through 11. Hello, it is I, Nephi, and I'm totes, magotes, an ancient Israelite. I've written down this book in the language of my people, Egyptian, go fuck yourself, to tell you my story. This is my father, Lehi. Hi. He was a great prophet. And one day, God came to him with a very special message. Lehi, Lehi, it is I, God. I have a vision for you. Oh, Jesus, that's bright. What's the vision? Um, I, here's a, uh, a, a book to, to read. The, the vision is a book to read? Don't question me, I'm God. And it came to pass... That it came to pass, my father read that book and contained within were words of such wisdom. Wisdom unlike the world had ever seen before. I'm not going to tell you any of it, but trust me, knucklefuckers, this wisdom shit was the tits. If she won't share your fries, she won't suck your dick. Gross, Dad, cut it. 
And uh, came to pass, my father did come to the Jews and tell them his wisdom. Everyone's gonna die! Ooh, you suck! I hate you. So, totally unrelated to that and in no way caused by it, my father received a message from God telling us to go wandering in the desert. And we wandered for three days, the 350 miles to the Red Sea at like 15 miles an hour. <sighs> Move your ass knee high! Jesus, fuck! Dad, just slow down. Crossfit, bitch! Oh, shit. Uh, I, also, I, I forgot to mention I have brothers. My, my bad. Th their names are, are Layman. Hi. And Lemuel. Hi. And Sam. Wait, my name is Sam? Sure is. Uh, Joseph ran out of names. It's the first chapter of the book. Yep. And it came to pass, Lemuel and Layman were being real downers about the whole... Wander in the desert plants, so my father yelled at them. We don't want to wander, wander in the, in the desert. desert. I will turn this caravan around. Good. We want that. Both of you fuck a whisker. But I, Nephi, I was a good son. And in a vision, God told me that I would be chosen. You're my favorite, Nephi. Uh, oh, uh, why? Because you're white. Huh? Because spoilers... Okay, so I told my brothers, and Sam believed me. Sure. But Layman and Lemuel did not. Bullshit. And it came to pass, that it came to pass, that while it was coming to pass the next morning, God came to my father with a very important message. Lehi! Lehi! Yes, my lord! I come to you with a very important message. Is it the reason for our journey, my lord? Uh, no, it's, uh, it's just... Do, do you mind going back and getting the Old Testament printed on brass plates? Um, go back? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't forget because I'm God and not a con man in upstate New York. I just, I just, um, want you to... Okay, any chance I could just transcribe those bad boys? Bronze plates of like, like a like a thousand pages. Yeah, that's it's gonna be awfully heavy. Too bad. I really want you to get them. Okay, it's super duper important. Really? Just for the Bible? Like, is there? Uh, no, it also has like uh, your dad's name. So more than a thousand pages. Now that you mention it, yeah. Okay. Well, anything else I need while I'm there? Would really like this to be the last trip. Oh, no, nothing else. Well, maybe, no, 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 last year. And my brothers were greatly displeased. No! Fuck this asshole. But I was not, for I was the best and most beloved of my father. Oh, go fuck yourself. You. So back to Jerusalem we traveled, and it came to pass that there we learned the brass plates were in the home of Laban, the evil ruler of the city. Wait, we gotta go get an Old Testament Bible. Yes. Made of brass. Uh, yes. From a guy who wants to kill us. Yes. Not it, not it. Not it. F ah, fuck. So my brother Laman journeyed to the house of Laban, where he asked him for the plates. Uh, Laban, uh, please return to me the, the, the brass plates of my father, huh? No, no, for I suspect you're trying to rob me, and I hate your father. What? 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 Why? Not sure. This book sucks. 
Sure does. Uh, why are you doing that weird voice? I don't know. I think I'm based on Harrod or Pontius Pilate, right? And that's your voice for, for, for those guys? Okay, get out of here, you scamp. Seriously? Yeah, man, fuck off. But I was not discouraged. I gathered all the gold and silver left at my house with my brothers and returned to Laban. Can I buy the plates? Yeah, can we just, can we buy them? No, but I will murder you, you sassy little minxes. Run away! Run away! And away we ran. <sighs> Seriously, Nephi, fuck you. That was the worst plan <sighs> ever. No, 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 my brothers, don't, don't you see? We must get on each other's shoulders so that Laban thinks we're a giant and then gives us the plates. I, you want to kill him with a stick? Yeah, let's kill him with a stick. No, tis I, an angel. Do not kill your brother with a stick. Fine. And with my brothers learning their lesson, and sure never to try to kill me again, I devised a clever ruse to take the plates from Laban. Let's sneak into his house and steal them. That's your plan. Yep. Not it. Not it. Fuck! So that night, I snuck into Laban's place. And uh, carefully sneaking past his guards, I came upon Laban drunk. For he's a jolly good fellow, for he's a jolly good fellow. Nephi, it is I, God. You must kill Laban. Oh, that, that's, that's perfect. Done. Fuck, you, you, uh, you went right for it, huh? I didn't have to... I am a Mormon. Zing. So I put on Laban's clothes and gathered up the plates but not before I stumbled upon his servant. Halt! Who goes there? It is I, uh, Laban. Oh, uh, yeah, you totally are, are, are Laban. Really? Yeah, that doesn't look like at all like you're some guy covered in Laban's blood who obviously killed him and will totally kill me if I notice that he's not Laban. So yeah, you'd look just like Laban. Exactly. Uh, so help me carry these plates. Fuck, is this a thousand pages made of brass? I know, right? Brothers, I have returned. Ah, it's Laban! Laban! Seriously? I said, I said, brothers, I have returned. Right, sorry. Good disguise. You guys are fucking idiots. I'm gonna murder you. What? Nothing, nothing. Let's, let's go back and see dad. The plates. Father, I have returned. Oh, son, I'm so glad to see you. Yeah, me too, me too. Good to see you. You know what you look like you could use? A walk. What? Yeah, nice little brisk walk. Maybe back to Jerusalem for some wives. You're kidding me. Nope, God just told me like eight minutes ago. Why would you put this in your own book? Meta. But my brothers were once again rebellious and did not want to return with my father. No fucking way, bro. Seriously, I'm not, no no way. Come on, brothers. I am the chosen of God and I command this of you. We must be loyal to our father. Or, quick counter-suggestion, uh, we tie you up in the desert and leave you to die. Wait, what? I vote for that. Ooh, me too. Seriously? An angel told you guys not to do stuff like this, like, eight minutes ago. You know what? And an angel hasn't had to wipe with sand for two consecutive 350-mile walks. Hmm, okay, solid point. And it came to pass, that it came to pass, when it came to pass, how it came to pass, my brothers left me in the desert to die. But I prayed to the Lord and was able to escape them. Ta-da! Fuck. Worst. We're good now, right? Yeah, no, sure, sure. Besties. All right, glad that's never going to happen again. My children have returned. Dad, they tried to kill me again. 
Snitches get stitches, Nephi. Fine. I've had a magnificent dream that I must tell you before I tell you of it. Nephi, I must tell you that you and your brother Sam will be greatly blessed. Greatly blessed. Uh-huh. Anybody else in the family going to be greatly blessed? Nope. Huh. Weird. Well, you get a blessed brother. That's pretty cool. This fucking book. I dreamed of a tree. It was a great white tree, and on it hung the most beautiful and delicious pure white fruit. From it extended a great solid iron bar that led all those along it to the tree. Wait, so like a dick? No, not like a dick. I mean, it sounds like a dick. Sounds like a dick. It's not, it's not a dick. Anyway, oh, he ruined it. Anyway, in my dream, Nephi and Sam followed the bar and ate the fruit, and yet no matter how much I begged, Laman and Lemuel would not taste the fruit. Wicked and evil and rebellious they were. I'm still right here. Yeah, well, go grab a tree, Dick. It was then that I decided to once again commit myself to God, and it came to pass that so committed to God was I that I received all the visions my father had and more, for I stood on a mountain with an angel. Nephi, tell me, what do you see? I see a virgin most beautiful and fair. Oh, what? The? Oh, shit, sorry. That is uh, called Cinemax After Dark. Didn't mean to... Uh... Oh, no, well, I mean, you don't, you don't have to change it. And so, too, did I see Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would be the Son of God, and a great journey was yet to come. But Nephi, there is more, so much more in store for you. Are my brothers going to try to kill me again? Yeah, yeah, man, like a bunch. A lot. Before we cry ourselves to sleep again tonight, I wanted to let our listeners in or around Nashville, Tennessee, know that the Nashville Nuns Convention is right around the corner. Saturday, March 18th, their keynote speaker this year is Matt Dillahoney. If you want to learn more about the event, of course, you'll find their website linked on the show notes for this episode. Anyway, that's all the blast me we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's hot friend, God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, or subscribe to us on YouTube for bonus nuggets of scathiasm throughout the week. Obviously, this wouldn't be a proper outro if I didn't thank Heath Enright for being so damn I'm Heath Enright. I need to thank Lucinda for all the Lucinding, and I need to thank Eli Bosnick for being the exact right amount of Eli Bosnick. Also want to thank Natalie and Dan from the Science Enthusiast Podcast for their baby dick-centric Farnsworth quote, and for their budding support of my Robot Overlords 2020 campaign. Incidentally, if you need more science or more enthusiasm in your life, you'll find a link to their podcast on the show notes as well. But most of all, of course, I need to thank this week's most humanistic humans, Lachlan, Michael, Andrew, Rachel, Michelle, Tyler, Bailey, Angie, Brinkley, Seth, Stephen, Timothy, 87, and David. Lachlan, Michael, Andrew, Rachel and Michelle, whose orgasms could jumpstart the AllSpark, Tyler, Bailey, Angie, and Brinkley, who do it so good, Nike owes them royalties, and Seth, Stephen, Timothy, 87, and David, who can't turn to the east while erect without violating international no-fly zones. Together, these 13 thoroughly thoughtful thorns in the side of theism thwarted the theocrats this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the magnificence and munificence it takes to give us money, but if you think you've got all the M-blank enses it takes, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad free edition of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but that ceramic pig won't give you back any of your spare change, you can also help us a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, and if you need a little more incentive, nobody who has left us a 
five-star review on iTunes has ever been killed by a tiger. So it's not like you're not getting something out of the deal here, too. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark. Our theme song was arranged and performed by Morgan Clark with Richard McNulty on guitar. All additional music was written and performed by Morgan Clark and was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. Morgan, delete that and burn it, please. (laughs) The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.